1: Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I'm your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is...
0: Charlene Schmidt.
1: Charlene Schmidt. Today, we have a very special topic, but before we tell our listeners what it is, I want to give our listeners a little love, specifically uh, one listener in particular, and that is a uh, longtime listener, huge supporter of Punch It, as well as uh, To The Journey, uh, when we were on Trek FM, and uh, a good a good guy and uh, a person I've been following on Twitter and Instagram for a very long time, and that's Damian Haywood. And uh, the reason why I'm giving him a shout out is because he made us some fan art, some digital fan art using a Blender, where uh, he made us. I, I don't want to. It wasn't a logo, but what he did was he took our new logo punch it writing in Star Trek, mm-hmm. and he made it look like a uh, a paperweight on a, a 24th century desk, and you have a couple of pads on the desk.
0: With your script, with your story on it, no less, which was yes. an amazingly cool, cute detail. But it's, it's got this nice homey atmosphere, right? There's a cup of coffee. It's got nice lighting. I mean, it feels cozy. It's like a place where if I were on a vacation, I just want to be sitting there hanging out and writing On a pad,
1: yeah, it's it's it's, it was really awesome because when we were knocking around ideas on what we could do for the logo or the new logo or show art or episode art or anything like that, one of the ideas was a desk with coffee and a pad, and we ended up not going in that direction. But Damien
0: (laughs) he nailed it,
1: and without us even talking to him, and it just looks Awesome. And like you said, it has my story on the pad, which was such an awesome attention to detail. And so much. that's him. You know, and uh we tweeted like he tweeted it to us and uh the nerd party. And so we tweeted it out on our private channels as well as on the oh, nerd yeah. party channel. And we're gonna put it in uh today's show notes. So if you go to com slash punch it and go to episode 48, you'll be able to see it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's great. And also give him a follow over on uh, Twitter. His, uh, his Twitter handle is D-A-M-I-A-N-J-H. And uh, he says I always say his name wrong because I've mentioned it before on, on some previous shows because of my American accent. Apparently I, I say it funny, <laughs> which I don't know how I'm mis- mispronouncing Damian Haywood, but whatever.
0: Well, I don't know how they say it. He's in Australia, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's from Sydney.
0: Okay, so apparently they say Damien differently there.
1: (laughs) I guess. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Damien, record how you say your (laughs) name over in Australia. Let's compare notes. Let's see what the difference is, and then we'll talk about it online. (laughs) But everyone should
1: check him out, give him a follow. He does some really cool stuff on Blender and everything like that, and uh, he's always been a big supporter of ours, so thank you very much, Damien. Yes, thank uh, you. and, And we've actually, throughout the years, because you and I have been podcasting for a long time, not necessarily on Punch It!, but... In other avenues as well, and uh, we've had people write scripts for us, uh, do photos, gifs, and uh, so many other different types. We have uh, some of our listeners are some of the most artistic people that I've I've ever met or or digitally met. And so, if you guys <laughs> want to continue to do stuff like that, like if we tell a story on on this show and you really like it, you want to write a script or you want to write a short story. Or you want to do some artwork or some photography or whatever you want to do, please send it to us. You can go to slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, and uh, there you can fill out the form and you can send us an email or you can submit it to us on Twitter at join nerdparty. You can find me personally on Twitter at the insane Robin.
0: And you can find me at oh the profanity, and it would be an honor. You guys, we've had we have a collection of this kind of stuff. It's crazy. I never would have thought anybody would take the time to do that, but people have, and apparently people still will. That's so cool, you guys. Oh, I feel the love. I really do. That's it's so awesome.
1: <laughs> All right. So what we're going to be talking about today to get into our topic is something that every Star Trek fan knows about, uh, or at least I think every Star Trek fan knows about, because this is something they that. They show, yeah. If you don't know what it is, you're gonna learn today because this is something that this is a concept that I'm sure you're aware of, but maybe never heard the name. And a lot of non Star Trek fans have no idea what this is, but it's a bottle show. That's right, what we're talking about today is a bottle show, and here is how Memory Alpha describes it. Bottle show is a production term for episodes which take place mostly on existing sets and do not generally involve major guest stars. The term itself is derived from the notion of bottling up the action. Equivalent terms are ship shows and bottle episodes. In such installments, action and special effects are often minimized. So there you go. All the action usually takes place just on the ship or just on the station or whatever show you're on. And uh, they don't go to those strange new worlds. They don't usually meet new races. They don't beam down. They don't have a landing party or an away mission. And it's a way to save money. That's the biggest thing. It's the way to save (laughs) money so that they can spend more money on sets next week.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the whole impetus for a show like this, is it not? Is budget constraints. So I would argue that with episodic television, this was more of a necessity than... It is for a more ongoing story, but I think it's also a little more easily done. However, I think it's a little more easily recognizable too.
1: I think it's it's fun. It's interesting. Like when you um, usually you can tell when it's going to be a bottle show, r- like right after the teaser, when you're just like when they establish the uh, uh, the conflict, you can feel like when you're watching Twisted, you're like, oh okay. Like on Star Trek Voyager. And then all of a sudden they have that phenomenon, 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 and everybody's trapped on the ship. They're just like, oh, okay, this is gonna be a bottle show. Let's strap in.
0: <laughs> well, or groan heavily. Some people really don't like the idea of bottle shows.
1: Why? Why? Why?
0: You know, I don't know because I am actually kind of a fan of bottle shows. I think it's great for character moments and growth. And also as a writer, it presents a very specific kind of a challenge where you're either up for it or you're just, oh my god, again? So, and especially on a show like Star Trek where you know a certain amount of episodes are just going to have to be bottle shows. Like you had that epic two-parter where they just blew it out for the special effects. The following week, very likely going to be a bottle show because the budget just doesn't have it in it. And so, yeah, I think it's a very love-hate relationship with bottle shows. I, being such a character-driven fan, I love it, but I think one of the big criticisms is maybe is that they're very talky. There's a lot of conversation going on because you're not going pew-pew-pew and bam-bam-bam and flying around all over the place.
1: Now, as we've talked about before, uh, uh, when we've talked about Star Trek, we I always say the same thing, is that, you know, of yes you know, explosions are cool, the phasers are fun, and whenever you have a a phaser fight or, you know, the double-fisted punch or anything like that, yeah, it's awesome, it's fun, but that's not why we like Star Trek. We like Star Trek for those monologues. We like Star Trek for the moral conundrums, and we like it for the character development and the good writing. Now, I conveniently have a list of all of the Bottle Show episodes in Star Trek. Now, some of this could be construed as opinion, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out some of my favorites, and let's see what let's see what you can gleam from some of these favorites here. So,
0: okay, let's do it.
1: Tos the Naked Time, TNG, mm, yeah, The Offspring, The Drumhead, Lower Decks.
0: Lower Decks is a bottle show, you guys.
1: Deep Space Nine's Duet. Whispers, The Wire, Facets, Dr. Bashir, I presume.
0: Even though they were in costume.
1: Voyager's uh, Eye of the Needle, Chitrell, yeah. Learning Curve, Projections, Twisted.
0: Your favorite. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Someone to Watch Over Me, Enterprise, Shuttle Pod 1, Dead Stop, A Night in Sixth Bay, The Catwalk, similar to Doctor's Orders. And I'm not listing all of them. I'm just listing some of my favorites. And... Those are some of, I know that this is arguable, but those are some of the best Star Trek episodes. Like Deep Space Nine's duet, holy crap. That is an amazing episode.
0: Yeah, that I think ranks very highly on the fan list as far as favorites go for DS9, if not the whole franchise.
1: And TNG, the drumhead, and Lower Decks. I mean, these are fan favorites.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lower Decks. I, I want to know of anybody out there, if you do not love Lower Decks, it, what's wrong with you? Let's get <laughs> you some help. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's why when we when we were talking about what we wanted to uh, discuss this week on the show, on the new branding of Punch It Writing in Star Trek, we wanted to see what could we talk about writing focused and bottle shows immediately popped to both of our heads and i feel is. like with bottle shows that like yeah sometimes when you you can it can be a swing and a miss it can be a hard swing and a miss oh yeah but i think most times because i feel like creativity springs from constraint you get some very very well written dynamic episodes that focuses on the internal and the character and the story like like take offspring for example What would the character of Data be like if it wasn't for Lal?
0: Right? Yeah, that's a very important experience for him and for his growth of trying to, you know, be a little more human. And what does it mean to be a father? And uh, gosh, so many things. And then, of course, with the the whole experiment not going so well, there's that loss. And Mm -hmm. for 45 minutes, that's a lot of emotion. You don't need special effects to go through that much stuff.
1: No, you don't. And that, that's it. You don't always need a Romulan warbird exploding or three Klingon birds of prey just swooping into the action. And I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about bottle shows. So, like, when I hear that there's going to be a bottle show, I go, oh, goody, 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 goody. You know, I, I start, I start <laughs> clapping internally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, even with, I would say, the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 6, is probably as close to Bottle Show as we might very well get. Now, visually, yes, of course, there's really cool stuff. There's that nice, it's not really a matte painting, but it sort of looks matte painting-ish, of Vulcan and stuff like that. But, again, very inward in character growth.
1: See, I don't know, I've heard that before. I've heard a couple people say that about Episode 6 of of discovery and i don't understand it because really? they were they were on vulcan at the very beginning of the episode and you see these it's like really cool um uh graphics and the ship flying off and everything like that and yeah. then you know like when when burnham goes into Serik's mind we're on vulcan again and they're in a shuttle and I just and then, like towards the end of the episode, we're on a Klingon outpost or whatever kind of out- not a Klingon outpost, but we're in a, a foreign outpost on an on a look i think an asteroid if I'm remembering correctly, and so I, this is not a bottle show at
0: all well okay, I guess technically it's not, but it's probably as close as we're going to get, and uh I mean, yeah, the Vulcan set is probably a, a newer set at the very end the what you're talking about. I don't know if that's a new set. It might, I mean, maybe it's a redress of a set. Who knows? <laughs> but my point is, is it's, it is very just character d- driven. It's very inward. It uses a lot of sets that are already there, like the hallways, uh, engineering, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, that also reinforces my argument that when you have a more ongoing storyline, serialized storytelling, I think it's harder to do a quote unquote bottle show.
1: Yes, I think so, but I would argue that next week, this is being recorded uh, before Episode 7, but after Episode 6, Episode 7, I think, is going to be a bottle show because it looks like they're stuck in a time loop on the ship.
0: Yes, kind of maybe like cause and effect disco style. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking it's gonna be like because like I maybe. Like, as I saw the the trailer for it and like there's tons of ex- lo- it looks like the tr- the explosions are gonna be epic and graphic and crazy and yeah. I just kept picturing Picard you know grabbing onto his chair going all hands abandon ship all <laughs> the hands
0: abandon ship! <laughs> Abandoned.
1: bam bam yeah
0: yeah, yeah. I, it, that will be very interesting plus there were some hints that maybe there's some mirror universe involved I I don't know y- yeah. It, is that going to be Bottle Show or not? Because are they going to blow it out literally with the special effects?
1: I did, we did see Mud and it looked like he was on a new set. So never mind. I com- I completely retract what I said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it is fun to just kind of, I don't know. We don't know what's in store. So we're speculating entirely. And it's it's a little fun. It could be. It could not. We'll find out on Sunday.
1: One thing that I wanted to mention that I thought was actually pretty interesting was uh, Michael Pillar. He talked about bottle shows, and uh, he was talking about uh, TNG and Deep Space Nine. uh, This is him. He says, we can do a bottle show and save a lot of money on the next generation by just keeping it on the ship. Here, and he means Deep Space Nine, you keep it on the space station, and you are still going to spend a lot of money. You have to because you have the sets like Quarks and the Promenade where you have so many aliens and people in the background. I never really thought of it that way before.
0: Uh, Yeah, me neither. But it's so true. And you, you always have kind of that big opening shot too where everybody's walking around on the promenade. You see that it's a busy hopping place. You got to pay all those extras for one thing and then to get them in makeup too,
1: Yeah, I costly. think that's the biggest thing is that yeah. like, you, could, you can get extras for cheap, but you got to clothe them. You got to do makeup, not just makeup, but alien makeup. And, right,
0: and even if they're yeah. not doing a fully detailed job still, it takes hours to put that stuff on.
1: It's. I never really thought of it that way, but it seems very simplistic once you say it out loud. It's true that Deep <laughs> yeah. Space Nine is just an expensive show.
0: <laughs> yeah, which makes me wonder, like, budget-wise, yeah, how did that stack up? I want to do some research now, but let's stay on topic, and uh, I want to bring up something that Kate Mulgrew said on—it was the Season 2 Voyager DVD set, you know, it was produced like 12, 13 years ago now— um, The writers may be up for the challenge for a bottle show, but the actors, she talks about how after you've done a few bottle shows that everybody gets a little stir crazy. She says, and then I quote, you do three or four bottle shows back to back and everybody starts to get wacky. And knowing that cast, knowing how much they love to do practical jokes and goof off a little bit and have fun with each other, could you imagine the things they were doing on set when they got to wacky stage?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh it's got to be it's got to be draining, but here's here's a thing. This is insane. I'm looking at the list of a uh, of Voyager bottle episodes and you have 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 bottle episodes. Now, there could be more, but this is just what Memory Alpha says. And 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 of the uh, nine of those are from season 1 and season 2. And season 1 was practically season 2 and
0: <laughs> you know why it's because they broke the budget so hard on producing caretaker with all the reshoots and the jean Jean-Vier bujold thing they were recouping their losses i think from that
1: you know what that, i think that's as good a guess as any that's pretty that's pretty solid logic because it's as i was looking at this list i was like parallax the cloud eye of the needle *Jutrell*, learning curve projections a twisted even meld and the swarm the swarm is in early season three <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and if I'm recalling correctly, projections elosium twisted those are all i don't know if they're consecutive episodes, but they are produced very close together, so that must have been wacky stage right there
1: you and they were yeah, and they were in season two, so yeah, that's probably what she was talking about the like yeah,
0: that, where they needed that to go area outside. Right there. <laughs>
1: It's it's so true. And that's kind of the I love this kind of stuff. I love this kind of thinking. Like with uh Pillar and Berman and everybody like that talking about the logistics of it and how to save money or how not to save money. Even David Livingston, you know, talked about it where uh you know he says he's like very rarely do we ever just do a bottle show bottle show on TNG. There's always some kind of element that will be visually interesting. So like they like David Livingston is talking about how even when you try to do it on TNG they got to throw something special at you. So there's that. And Deep Space Nine is talking about how there's always going to be lots of extras and because the sets are huge. And then you have on Voyager where Kate Mulgrew say, well, the cast gets a little crazy when you do too many. And so there's always these real world... It's always fascinating to me when real world logistics and real world knowledge impacts 24th century storytelling.
0: (laughs) We're learning how the sausage is made, so to speak. And... Yeah, like as far as bottle shows in general go, I don't think you completely encapsulate. It's not like where they're completely restricted to, say, a few sets. I mean, there's always a little something like um, you were talking about your favorite episodes before. One that you didn't mention is one of my very favorites from TOS, and it's the Doomsday Machine. And it's a complete redress of the Enterprise Bridge. But then you've got like the, you know, the planet eating paper mache monster thing. Mm-hmm. and that had to have been built so there's always a little exception but still they have a very tight budget and really have to tame it down i guess is the point but there's always that little something and what it is uh, varies a lot i think
1: one thing also that i'm thinking about is i feel like the term of a bottle show might be a little too constricting because think about macrocosm
0: yeah.
1: Voyager's Macrocosm, that takes place 99.9% on the ship, and that 0.1% is on a shuttlecraft, and that's it.
0: Right, and so then you have the CGI aliens taking oh. up some of the special effects budget, which I imagine cost go. quite a bit back in the day. So maybe that's why it's not considered a bottle show, but set-wise, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you're right. I think that's why it's taken out of the running, because the visual element was expensive.
0: So it makes me wonder then, whoever compiled this list on Memory Alpha, are they looking a- based on budget? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I would like to know now. So somebody please write in who knows a lot more than I do and inform me.
1: <laughs> now, one thing that's interesting is that like some of the times and uh, the, like when you're writing an episode and sometimes writing an episode, what, you set out to write a bottle show. Like it's not so much like, oh, well, uh, this just happened to be a bottle show while I was writing it. It was, no, okay, for this week of this season, we need a bottle show at this time because Best of Both Worlds is coming up soon. You know, that kind of thing. And right? Yeah. Like, the uh, the Naked Now of TNG was conceived as a bottle show adaptation of The Naked Time uh, when it was written. And along with The Next Phase and Power Play, those were conceived as battle shows on TNG. But as they were writing them and as they were doing rewrites, they had to expand the script, take them off the ship and onto another world or into another ship and everything like that. And so, like, this tells us that through the writing process, sometimes... At least with these iterations, the producers and the writers were willing to sacrifice a little budget for the story, which is always good to hear.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, For one thing, I had no idea that uh, Naked Now was considered or was conceived to be a, a bottle show. And Naked Time was listed as a bottle show on Memory Alpha. So... I don't know, were they thinking on those lines just because of budget? Things like that.
1: Yeah, it's I uh, it's it's possible. I think so. I think I think there are times when that they, they they have a planned they have it planned out the year before or like this the summer before. They're just like, okay, this is gonna be a big set piece, this is gonna be a big set piece, so let's throw in a bottle show this week instead of the week after that. But I also think, like you mentioned with Caretaker you know they're just like oh (laughs) holy crap we ate into half of our budget (laughs) yeah
0: a lot of unforeseen circumstances there that they had to massively compensate for but i think more often than not they have to have so much planning with the production process they basically have to write in the bottle shows Mm -hmm. right that just you know Especially when they're planning those big epic two-parters that they know are going to be the special effects extravaganza. There's going to be a lot of sets or whatever. Um, you know that they've got to find a way to at least break the budget even. <laughs> so uh, it's like a regular episode, regular episode, regular episode. Epic two-parter! Bottle show, bottle show. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Regular episode.
0: Because that's sort of how it feels like when back in the day when November and May sweeps were a thing, because they were, for those of you who are over the age of or under the age of 30, (laughs) um, that's when everybody would put out their very best material and compete for ratings back when it was just air TV and cable. And so that's when they pulled out all the stops and gave us all their really big stuff. And then things really died down in, say, December, January. You'd get reruns mixed in with some of the lesser shows, and that's how things worked.
1: Now, one thing that I think is interesting is um, there's a person uh, called Lisa Wilkie, or Wilk, I, I don't know how to pronounce it, who was a writer who was uncredited for Tin Man.
0: Oh, yeah. I vaguely remember something about this.
1: Yeah, she said, this is her quote, I had gone to the sets a year before and... Um, Michael Piller's assistant told us bottle shows. All they want are bottle shows. Don't go to another planet. Make it as cheap as possible and maybe oh, they'll buy it.
0: I am so glad you brought this up because back in the day when my 13-year-old self called the hotline to Paramount Star- whoops, to Paramount Star Trek hotline on how you submit spec scripts, yes, this was a part of the rules. If you were going to submit a spec script to Star Trek in the 90s, with their open policy, you could not introduce new characters who were going to be the center of the story. You could not have epic battles. You could not write two-parters. You had to keep it really sucked in.
1: That's uh, when, like, when I read that uh, quote, I immediately thought about thirteen-year-old Char. I oh, was did just you like, really? "Yeah, I was just like," <laughs> because if you're not on the writing staff. And you want to get into it and, or you want to sell a script. If you're not in the room and, you need, and you're outside and you want to sell a script, yeah, you better make it a bottle show and you better make it as cheap as possible. And I'm sure right. that uh, pubescent Char did that.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, I called that number several times, so much so that my mom asked, "Why? who's calling Los Angeles? Yeah. Why, what, is, what are these long-distance charges? Who do you know in Los Angeles? I'm like... I gotta call Alita Fat Joe about the Star Trek thing.
1: <laughs> for and real. also, for those of you under thirty as well, uh, long distance charges is a thing. Yeah, that when you was had a, a home thing. Phone.
0: <laughs> Area codes mattered, and it wasn't on a cell phone. You you just used a good old landline because <laughs> only the really rich and business people had cell phones/slash car phones and all of that, and they barely worked anyway. But anyway,
1: I think that's a great thing, though. I, I think that's a great policy for. For writers who are writing spec scripts or want to get them sold, whether it's to a drama or a comedy or, or sitcom or whatever whatever it is, I think that's great practice because it makes you focus on the internal. It makes you focus yes. on the emotion, the drive, the behavior, and not on like you said the uh, the explosions and the, and the uh, the craziness and the epic battles and all that kind of business, because it's easy to make an a, a $5 million Star Trek episode. It's easy. It's easy to do that.
0: <laughs> anybody could do it. Yeah, anybody, I think, can describe an epic space battle, and special effects could make it just look amazing, and people would just eat it up. I mean, the movies do it all the time, right? So... Actually, I love that you brought this up because it's so true. I mean, when you are putting yourself out there, if you go write a spec script like 13-year-old Char did and you submit it, this is your audition to show your skill as a writer, to show that you understand these characters inside and out. You know their motivations. You know what they will and will not do. And if you get it right, you just might get a pitch if you were lucky.
1: And uh, speaking of such, uh, everyone should go to thenerdparty.com slash filibuster and check out episode fifty-seven uh, because uh, our good friend Lee Hutchison, who is the host of Filibuster, he interviewed a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Will Stape, and he was an individual who actually submitted some spec scripts. And though he, I think he submitted two, or I don't know how many submitted, but two got picked up. And yeah, uh, I think
0: he did more, but two got through. But
1: But two got through and they were retooled and renamed and remade into Homeward and Profit Motive.
0: And it's fantastic because he talks a lot about that process and what he went through and what it was like. And so if you want kind of an insider's point of view, that is it. Listen to that interview.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's uh, Lee Hutchison is always just such a uh, fantastic interviewer. So go and check out his show. All right. Well, Shart, do you have anything else that you want to say about bottle shows? Like what is there out of the list that we talked about? What would you say is your favorite? I mean, I know you probably want to say mm. shades of gray, but fight that urge. <laughs> fight the Are urge. You,
0: Tristan. I do not want the wrath of Twitter. Just gnawing at me for a week straight. <laughs> No, it's not shades of gray. I, I Honestly, I think if, even if I took mind-altering substances and watched that episode, it still wouldn't be good. But, uh, <laughs> boy, okay, it's a tough question because there's always the distinction between personal favorite and then what is objectively good, right? Yeah. So I'm going to limit it to Voyager because that is, of course, my favorite. Um, I want to say my personal favorite is Eye of the Needle. Okay. But Someone to Watch Over Me is the objectively good one. What say you?
1: I-, I mentioned it a couple times before. I have a hard time because Duet is fantastic and I I love The Wire and Jitrell You know how much I love Gitrell. And I love yeah. Twisted. Like Gitrell and Twisted are two of my favorite episodes in Voyager of all time, out of all of yes,
0: them. Yes, on your top 10 list.
1: But for the, the beautiful writing, the emotional impact on the character, as well as the audience, I'd have to say The Next Generation is the offspring.
0: Really? The offspring? Yeah. And Lower Decks is really high up there for me, too. God, it's so hard. I hate ranking. I really do. Like, the more I try to do it, just, ugh, it's so subjective. But anyway, Yeah. And so I think that goes to show there might be a couple of bottle stinkers, but there's some really freaking good ones in this mix.
1: Now, what we want you guys to do, our, our lovable listeners, is figure out, go to uh, go to Memory Alpha, type in Bottle Show, scroll down, and take a look at the episodes that are designated as bottle shows. Tell us which ones are your favorite or uh, tell yeah. us which ones and tell you us why. Think yeah, tell us what you think are bottle shows that might not be on that list and why you think they're bottle shows. And yeah. what you can do is, we mentioned it at the top of the show, but we'll tell you again, go to the slash punch it and uh, check out all of our previous episodes. But to write us, go to the slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu. And from there, you can fill out the form. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook. And you can do all of that by going to the Nerd party. Dot com.
0: We also have a brand spanking new review on iTunes. It's been a while. Woo. Oh, All my right. God. So we have a five-star review from Alfie Skatz. I'm not sure how you say this name, but it's really cool. And they say that we are Trek positive. Yes, thank you. And they say that we make shows that cannot be missed, great conversations about the Star Trek universe. So thank you so much. We really appreciate The review we appreciate the love and thank you for doing your part to help others find the podcast so more people join the party
1: yes please and go to itunes leave us a review if you like what we're doing Uh, you can leave us any review that you think we deserve but if you give us a five-star review we'll mention you on the show like that great person just now well i think this is a good stopping point for the show i'm excited to do our second Star Trek show in a row since our rebranding. And uh, you know what? No matter where we go, no matter what we talk about, I think the Helmsman is going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.